Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, 2020, America decides. The candidates face off with just 35 days until Election Day. President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden meet on the debate stage in Cleveland. With a lot on the line, the candidates arrive in Battleground, Ohio, guaranteed to be a topic tax returns, Joe Biden releasing his just hours ahead of the showdown, and the new revelations from the president's taxes, including how The Apprentice became a lifeline. You're fired. Infection rate rising in New York City. The country's largest school system returns to in-person learning, but could a spike force them to close the doors again? Plus the alarming new study about kids and COVID. Pressuring the CDC? Why did the White House push the nation's health protection agency to play down the risk of sending kids back into classrooms? Major developments in the Breonna Taylor case. The grand jury tapes will be released. And the Kentucky Attorney General admits the jurors were never even asked to consider homicide charges against the officers involved in Taylor's death. Ballot mix-up? Nearly 100,000 New York voters received ballots with the wrong names on them. This northern California inferno claimed one acre every five seconds. Now new evacuation orders for more than 10,000 people. NFL outbreak. After week three of the season, two teams are sidelined. Class is in session with this 91-year-old professor embracing virtual learning. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with tonight's first presidential debate in what could now be the defining moment in a campaign that seems to have already had more than a few of them. More than 100 million Americans are expected to watch President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden square off the first face-to-face meeting between the two men in four years. And after months of lobbing long-distance attacks, aides for both candidates say tonight the gloves and the masks will be off in what both sides expect could be a deeply personal and contentious matchup. Tonight, Joe Biden is already playing offense, sharing his 2019 tax return with reporters, just as the president is dogged by new revelations about how little federal income tax he has paid over more than two decades. Both men arrive in Cleveland for tonight's debate against the backdrop of a global pandemic that has cost more than 205,000 Americans their lives, hammered the U.S. economy, and up ended daily routines like going to work and school. Well, there's a lot of new reporting to get to ahead of this pivotal debate, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is going to lead off our coverage tonight from inside the debate hall. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Nora. As you said, just hours before the debate, Joe Biden did something the president has so far refused to do. He released his income taxes for 2019, signaling that recent reports about the president's financial history are a key part of his plan of attack. On stage tonight, Joe Biden's aides say he'll draw a sharp contrast. His 2019 tax returns show that he paid more than $299,000 in taxes on close to a million dollars in income. That's compared to the $750 the president paid in his first year in office, according to a New York Times investigation. He paid no income tax in 10 of the previous 15 years as he reported bigger losses than profits. He has spent uh, his entire life trying to find ways to get out of meeting the obligation that every other working person in this country meets. The former vice president is also expected to focus on how the president has managed the pandemic, which has killed more than 200,000 and has literally changed tonight's debate. There are extra security and medical safety precautions in place. The governor activated 300 National Guard troops in case of protests. Normally, we have an audience of about 900 people uh, for these debates, and we'll have less than 100 in there today. Inside the hall, social distancing is being enforced. Temperatures are being taken, and everyone has to wear a mask except the president, Biden, and the moderator. On stage, no handshake or elbow bumps expected, and there will be no opening or closing statements. What is expected is a contentious exchange. I'm prepared to go out and make my case as to why I think he's failed. Biden's a weak guy, I think. Uh, We have a debate coming up. It'll be interesting. Mr. Trump isn't expected to hold back either, signaling in recent days he wants to talk about work done by Hunter Biden when his father was vice president. And he might call out Biden's mental fitness. Campaign spokesman Tim Murtaugh insists the president is prepared. The president's going to be just fine. He's ready to go. Uh, And as I said, he's been preparing for this for for the last four years. Ed O'Keefe joins us now from Cleveland. And Ed, no Republican has won the White House without the state of Ohio. What's the state of the race there? That's a good point, Nora. And CBS considers Ohio a battleground state, sensing a possible chance of retaking the state. Biden is sticking around to do a whistle-stop train tour of parts of the state tomorrow. And remember, tonight, the former vice president has a bit of an advantage. He debated 24 opponents 11 times over the last 15 months. The president hasn't been on a stage like this since 2016. Nora? Ed O'Keefe, thank you. 
President Trump is the first incumbent in 28 years to enter the first debate trailing in national polls. And tonight we're learning more details of the president's personal finances, including how he struggled with business losses until a lucrative new opportunity emerged from reality TV. Here's CBS's Ben Tracy. With his staff cheering him on as he left for Cleveland, President Trump avoided reporters' questions about his finances. Mr. President, who do you owe money to? He won't be able to avoid those questions tonight. His own aides say they expect he'll be hit immediately on revelations he avoided paying taxes for years, along with allegations his reputation as a savvy businessman was a facade. According to tax documents obtained by the New York Times, in 2002, the president lost more than $350 million. In 2003, it was nearly $90 million. But then a lifeline arrived. You're fired. According to the Times, Mr. Trump made $197 million from his hit TV show, The Apprentice, and leveraged his celebrity to earn another $230 million in deals and endorsements. You'll absolutely love Trump steaks. He became a profitable pitch man, paid half a million dollars to promote double stuff Oreos, 15 million for Serta mattresses, another half million to hawk Domino's pizza. Still got it, Donald. Still got it. According to the Times report, Mr. Trump made more money promoting his business skills than actually running his businesses. Many of those are reportedly bleeding money, and the president is now hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. Democrats say it's a national security concern. Tell us, who do you owe the money to? And um, do you owe debt to any foreign nation? Another issue the president will face tonight is coronavirus. And CBS News has learned that White House officials, including Dr. Deborah Burks, pressured the CDC to minimize the risk of coronavirus to children to get schools to reopen more quickly. Now, a former CDC official tells us that the White House was slicing and dicing the data to fit its narrative. Nora. Ben Tracy, thank you. Joining me now is 60 Minutes correspondent and CBS News senior political analyst John Dickerson. Okay, John, this is going to be a debate like we've never seen before. What do you think people should watch for? Well, it's the first face-off for these two, and the most unpredictable candidate is the one behind in the polls, President Trump. Campaigns can be frivolous, and what they should look for is that this is a serious event, the most serious in a campaign, which matches up with a serious job. Presidents can send people to war. They can change their lives. And so what viewers can look for tonight is not just answers to specific questions, but for what's behind them, the temperament, values, poise. Those are important in the job, too. You're talking about three quarters of voters say, we're going to watch. But can any voters' minds be changed? A lot of those who are watching will have already made up their minds. But the candidates can appeal to other kinds of voters. I mean, they're appealing to their base voters because they want them to get energized. Nothing more energizing than seeing your person swinging in the ring. They want to get them energized to get their friends to go out and vote. And there's another important constituency, social media. Social media will be determining and defining this debate from the first answer and for many days afterwards. And as serious as it is, it might not elevate the most serious answers on social media. What are you looking for from the candidates? For President Trump in 2016, he was blunt. He focused on about three topics, trade being the biggest. I expect him to be blunt and focused again tonight. Joe Biden has to inhabit this return to normalcy he's been talking about, which means slaloming around the president's theatrics. He has to explain why his his programs will actually affect people's lives. And if he talks about virtue, he has to say what that means to people, not just talk in abstractions. John Dickerson, thank you. And join John, Gail King and me tonight for CBS News live coverage of the first presidential debate. It begins at nine o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock in the West. 
President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, went to Capitol Hill today, escorted by Vice President Mike Pence. Barrett met with top Senate Republicans, including Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who would not answer the question of whether Barrett should recuse herself if legal challenges to the election wind up in the Supreme Court. Republicans hope to have her confirmed before Election Day. Some students in the nation's largest school district, New York City, returned to class today. But could an alarming spike in new cases mean schools will have to close again? Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. Five-year-old Tiago left his home this morning for the most anticipated day since March, his first day back in the classroom, one of nearly half a million students returning to New York City schools this week. But it happened the same day as this alarming announcement. New York City's coronavirus cases rose to a daily positivity rate of just above 3%, the highest since June. You don't enforce the mask ordinance, you will have a higher infection rate. And New York's mayor warned New Yorkers starting today, if they didn't wear masks in public, they would face a fine. All this, as a new study shows, a dramatic rise in the rate of children infected by COVID-19, who made up just over 2% of all cases in April to more than 10% today. Are you alarmed by your study's findings? I'm always alarmed to see children getting a disease at higher rates. Dr. Sarah Goza, president of the AAP, says she supports in-person learning where communities have a low number of coronavirus cases. Children learn more at school than just reading, writing, and arithmetic. They get social skills. We know we are harming our children by not getting our community spread down so that it is safe to go back to those in-person schools. New York City has twice delayed the start of school. Many teachers have protested. And some principals, like Moses Hojeda, say that while they want schools to reopen, they're worried and anxious. Do you think that you have enough teachers and staff? I'm currently short 14 teachers to reopen on Thursday. Wow. God forbid a teacher now has to take a medical accommodation. Then I'm short-handed, and now I have to scramble to try to find someone. Mayor Bill de Blasio says if the average one-week positivity rate rises above 3% here in New York City, he will automatically shut down schools. The city's Department of Education says if one school has two COVID-19 cases in different settings, that school will be closed until the source is identified. Nora? Nikki Batiste, thank you. Also in New York City tonight, a major voting mix-up just weeks before the election. The city's Board of Elections says nearly 100,000 people in Brooklyn received absentee ballot return envelopes with the wrong names and addresses. While the board blames a contractor hired to print and mail the ballots, new ones are being sent out with a notice advising of the error. Well, tonight we're following several stunning new developments in the Breonna Taylor shooting. The grand jury proceedings will be made public tomorrow. That's after one of the jurors went to court accusing the attorney general of misrepresenting their deliberations. No charges were filed against officers for the death of Taylor. CBS's Adriana Diaz reports tonight from Louisville. As Louisville anticipates tomorrow's release of the secret grand jury recordings, tonight Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron admitted that no charges are recommended for Breonna Taylor's death. Ultimately, our judgment is that the uh, charge that we could prove at trial beyond a reasonable doubt was for one endangerment uh, against uh, Mr. Hankinson. All along, we asked, was there any evidence even presented on Breonna Taylor's behalf? Ben Crump represents Taylor's family. We at least want to know that it's equal justice under the law 
for black people as victims, not only when black people are accused of crimes, we continue to ask for full transparency. And so is a grand juror who filed a motion asking to speak publicly, accusing Attorney General Cameron of using the grand jurors as a shield to deflect accountability and responsibility. Kevin Glogauer represents the anonymous juror. Again, my client's concern is making sure that there's the appropriate information for the public as, as a whole to see what's going on. Tonight, Louisville's incoming interim police chief, Yvette Gentry, the first female to hold the post, says her first order of business is removing the plywood from police headquarters. Many in this community say they've lost confidence in their police officers. How do you rebuild that confidence? Um, I think it starts with me leading by example and being a woman of my word um, and being accessible to people. The door that you're feeling like you got to kick down is open. In that local news interview, Cameron called the grand jury an independent body and said they could have considered charges against the other officers if they'd wanted to. The grand jury recordings will be turned over to the court by noon tomorrow. It's unclear how they'll be released to the public. Nora. Hey, Jonah Diaz. Thank you. California's wildfire season keeps getting worse. Three more people have died. That's 29 since last month. The collective burn area is nearly the size of three million football fields. Time-lapse video shows powerful updrafts north of San Francisco, where tens of thousands of people have been evacuated. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. The latest wildfires ravaging Northern California are now also taking lives. Three people were killed in the Zog fire, which has charred nearly 63 square miles in rural Shasta County. In Napa and Sonoma counties, the glass fire rages on, 42,000 acres and counting, forcing nearly 82,000 people to evacuate, including the entire towns of Calistoga and Angwin. We left with nothing. I mean, just literally with nothing. At one point, the fire was burning an acre every five seconds, destroying decades-old wineries and torching homes one by one. You're looking at yet another home that is about to go up in flames. More than 100 structures have been destroyed as this fire continues to make its way down the mountainside. And here's what's left of that house. Most of it was saved. Shortly after our report, fire crews arrived thanks to the help of a neighbor. And I panicked and I just started yelling help. I've never seen anything like it. And this is what firefighters are up against. The wind has calmed down, but this wildfire has created a weather system of its own. And tonight it is exploding out of control. Nora. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. Some crushing job news tonight that's being blamed on the pandemic. Disney says it is laying off 28,000 workers nationwide at its theme park stores and cruises. Two-thirds are part-time employees. The company says there's too much uncertainty about when business will rebound to keep a full staff. Tonight, the NFL is reporting its first COVID-19 outbreak. At least eight players and staff from the Tennessee Titans have tested positive. The team has suspended in-person activities, as did the Minnesota Vikings, who played Tennessee on Sunday. It is not clear if either team will play this coming weekend. We end tonight with a professor who stood the test of time, still teaching the ancient classics. Only now he's using 21st century technology to do it. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. I never really gave any thought to retiring. Uh, For more than five decades, Professor Emeritus Charles Crone has nourished the soul of his students. Our city reeks with the smoke of burning incense. 
teaching the classics at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And he wasn't about to let the coronavirus get in the way. They couldn't run me off, so I just stayed around. Once upon a time. But that's meant embracing technology and a whole new way of teaching at the age of 91. Are your students helping you? Oh, yes, definitely. Especially if something technical is wrong. Well, Professor Crone, why don't you try doing this? (laughs) He currently teaches five days a week and often relies on his theater background to engage his students. His dedication wasn't lost on his former students who took to social media after his virtual teaching went viral. One former student writing, he left a lasting impression on our lives. I'm curious, how old do you feel? Well, like Jack Benny. How old am I? I'm 39. <laughs> Meg Oliver, CBS News, Montclair, New Jersey. Very impressive. As teaching via Zoom is hard for anybody. And don't forget to join me, Gail King, and John Dickerson for CBS News live coverage of the first presidential debate. That's at 9 Eastern, 6 in the West. And if you can't watch the CBS Evening News live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. A reminder to stay positive, test negative. I'm Nora O'Donnell right here in the nation's capital. And we're going to see you later tonight for that first presidential debate. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.